This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director since 1977. This uh, Forum program airs on KELO AM, KELO FM, Q95 FM, KTWB, Crow, and KWSN. And for many years, uh, talking to Mike Hendrickson, you and uh, Mark Overton were on uh, KWSN, our sports station, uh, for how many years? First of all, John, thanks so much to have me. It's good to, to chat with you again, and thanks for doing this on the phone with the weather this week. Uh, Mark and I were on there for 12 years. Mark continues on. But before that, I was on KWSN for seven years with Craig Maddock. So I spent an awful lot of time there. Also spent an awful lot of time on KELO AM over the course of the year. So, yeah, this is these are the friendly confines as they were. Well, like I say, this program goes back to 77, so that goes back to the times that uh, you were with Chad McKenzie. I talked to him. Uh, he's with the iBank. We had him on a month or so ago. Did you use your real name back when it was Chad and Mike? Yes, I always did, and and that always was curious to me, and I know that you you know, were mm-hmm. among the, the folks. It, it was mandatory back then to change your name, wasn't it, when you first got in, John? Well, I, I was using my first name, and this was back in the 1960s, but... Uh, Dave Dedwick, every time he was on his morning show on KELO AM, somebody was throwing garbage on his front lawn because they knew he wasn't at home. So they came in and said, okay, everybody change your name. And, of course, John is actually my middle name, and Michael's is my first name. That's why you, that's why you hear so many people that have two first names. They they take their middle name and first name and actually uh, switch them around. And that kind of stuck since then with the Armed Forces Radio Network and back, uh, of course, when we came back to Sioux Falls after the Navy. Mike, I, I guess the, uh, the main thing right now is that you kind of, moved on to being a publisher, a writer. Yeah, I stepped down from full-time broadcasting in May of this year. A 46-year run had been pretty doggone good to me, and sports has taught me anything. It was get out too soon rather than too late. And I do still fill in for Mark when he's gone from the Daily Show. But other than that, I've stepped away from South Dakota Public Broadcasting and all of my other commitments. So, What I have filled that with is more books, and I just recently came out with my fourth book. The first one is no longer in print, but I know you talked to Cindy Bahi and I about Genuine Journeys of Life, the two books that we wrote together, but now I've got another sports book, and it is first-person, legendary South Dakota sports stories, And it's a compilation of 12 of the long-form interviews that I have done. I also had a show called the South Dakota Sports History Radio Show that aired on 20 stations across South Dakota. I took some of those interviews and I compiled them into a book. But I also, this one is, is rather unique. It's got a story that was actually written by Carl Pearson. Now, Carl is a gentleman from Mitchell, South Dakota. Carl is the only person I know who has ever called for goaltending a free throw in a high school basketball game. And Carl has been fighting some health issues, and so I told him I wanted him to write that story so that I could share it with folks, and and I was glad that I could put that in there. Thirteen stories, and some folks that are no longer with us, and a lot of folks that have very magical stories to tell. Goaltending a free throw. Can you give us a little more about that? I will say this: that Carl is a he's an award winning author himself. He's mm-hmm. written a couple of books, The Other Side of Glory, and he wrote a book called The Politics of Coaching, 
which should be required reading for anyone who thinks that they're going to get into the coaching business. But Carl basically was playing for Gary Munson over in Mitchell and didn't see a lot of time playing time and decided that he needed to do something to make a mark. And that's what he came up with. So uh, and he's very, very proud of that story. I think if you dig around on YouTube somewhere, you can maybe even find some tape of it. But Carl does a great job. He now uses it actually as an inspiration for his students and a lot more. It's a great story. Well, we're talking to author uh, Mike Henriksen. Mike, did you do any sports when you were in high school? I was not good enough to play varsity sports at the high school that I went to. I went to a very large high school. I, I'm from a very small town, but uh, we moved at the beginning of my freshman year. So, yeah, when I was younger, I did them all. And when I was in high school, I did all the intramural sports, but I was never good enough to make the varsity. But I knew I still wanted to be part of the sports world. And I kind of wanted to be a broadcaster since I was about nine or ten years old. And I was very, very fortunate. John, I'm not sure what your career path was, although I'd be interested in hearing it. But I'm not sure that had I stayed in my small town, Hampton, Nebraska, I'm not sure that I would have found the path to get into broadcasting. Whereas moving to Lincoln, while there were a lot of down points, it also provided me the opportunity to take speech classes and communications classes and to tour radio stations and to actually see that, yes, that was something that I could, you know, find a way into if I worked at it. I, were you ever one of the, I think just about everybody in Sioux Falls at the time used to DJ for me on the old disco on wheels. Did you ever DJ any of my old dances? You bet I did. That was one of my first jobs in college. When I came up here, I transferred from Dana College in Blair, Nebraska, which is no longer there, but I transferred up to Augustana in 1978. And I saw the ad in the paper that you were looking for DJs. And, and by the way, in those days, you know, being the age that I was, 20, 21 years old, I, of course, hated disco because that's what we all did. Mm -hmm. You know, to be cool at, at that point was, or all my friends hated disco, but I enjoyed the devil out of doing those dances and the small towns that it got me to and, and all of that sort of thing. So, yeah, it was, that was very fun. That was more good training because I actually ended up continuing doing that off and on throughout my career. That's another book that we could get together on. Mike, uh, <laughs> one, one story that I, I would like to have you uh, put into words that I, I think was kind of a milestone was that uh, back when you were, uh, you know, with Chad uh, on the air in the mornings, uh, you did the last show at the State Theater, the last, um, what, what did we call that back then? Yeah, what did we call that? I can't remember. The State Theater had been closed for a couple of years at that point, in, um, that's the, the State Theater, the development and reopening of the State Theater is another book that mm -hmm. needs to be written by someone, but it won't be me. But yeah, we decided to hold a Christmas show. It was about this time of year, and we decided to hold a Christmas show on the radio live at the State Theater. And we had Ken Hirsch on to give the official holiday weather report, and we had various other guests uh, down at the State Theater, had a live studio audience, not a big studio audience by any 
uh, measure, but uh, it was it was fun, and I think that was the last thing that was in there for about what eighteen twenty years, John, maybe well, longer. Yeah, that stage they used to have these, uh, you know, uh, Ted Mac original amateur hour type things, and and uh, right. so we decided that uh, he asked me to bring my speakers down, and and uh, we had a lot of fun. It was a little girl, I believe, was was it from Pipestone that that won tap dancing that uh, that won the uh, the amateur show. Uh, could could very easily be. Yeah, we had we had various talent from around the area that was that was entertaining and and it was just it was fun. It was a it was a good experience and and just you know back in those days, John, as you well know, we tried different things because you know we were in ratings battles with other radio stations and you know you could only own two radio stations in town at that time, so it was just Kello AM and Kello FM, and we we you know did whatever we thought we could to uh, to fill the time for a live radio show, and and I remember before we were backstage, I'd forgotten about this. We were backstage, and I, literally the state theater was falling apart. It hadn't been used for a couple of years, and as we say, it wasn't going to be used again. Uh, but at the time, Mitco owned it, who also owned the radio stations. That's how we were. Mm-hmm. able to do it and we're backstage and we smell like you know you know that distinct smell all too well john from all your years of disco of an electrical burn of some sort mm-hmm. you know of wires burning up and uh, so <laughs> that's what we smelled backstage and it was and ken hirsch goes oh no that was just me i just had a cigarette and i said no ken this is this is a different a very distinct smell from cigarette smoke is is burning wires so the place was even falling down around us as we were doing the show one other note of you know our radio history with uh, the state theater going back to the 1940s uh Ray Loftusness uh, used to tell me that uh they basically would run a mic cord when uh, the radio station at that time was right across the street uh on the second floor uh, right across the street from the state theater and they would actually run a, a mic microphone over to the state theater and broadcast the beginning of the movie. And then they would say, if you want to know what happens next, you have to buy a ticket. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> back in the old, that was back in the, in the 1940s. So, you know, and it's, it's so nice, John. Uh, uh, you know, it's always good chatting with you anyway, but that's the thing. Ray Loftus knows how lucky were we mm-hmm. that we got to work with Ray. It was only during the, you know, Christmas time, this time of year, that we would work with Ray. But he was a fascinating individual. He had toured with big bands, and he had done all sorts of, you know, met all sorts of big-name people. And he would just, you know, while he had a holiday song, while he was doing Lofty's Holiday Inn, which was the original, to my knowledge, the original Christmas radio show in the Sioux Falls market, he would stand outside in the hallway and, you know, we'd all kind of gather around him and listen to, to his stories about, you know, the time he was with Perry Como or the time that he met Sammy Davis Jr. or, you know, whatever it may have been. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure if all those stories were true, but I'm betting they were, and I didn't care if they weren't. They were just great stories, lofty, 
was truly one of a kind. Well, that's where writing things down, I think, Mike, and, and your books are important because there's all those sports stories out there that if somebody didn't write it down 20 years from now, nobody would have known. Uh, See, and, and that's the thing, John. That's a very valid point. I am the only adult in my family that is not an educator. My wife, my kids, my daughter-in-law, son-in-law, brother, sister-in-law, sister, they are all educators. And had radio not worked out, I think I probably would have been a history teacher. Um, I just love those stories. And that was one of the reasons, actually, the toughest part about any book of putting together other people's stories is trying to make sure that there's more in it than just facts and figures. And, and you know me, I've never been about the stats or that sort of thing when it when it comes to sports, if somebody says they, you know, average 35 games, you know, 35 points a game in 1958, I'm not going to look that up. It's their story and they're telling it. But a couple of the folks I included, I put in specifically for the historical standpoint. Lolly Forseth was a longtime athletic director in Sioux Falls and a member of the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame. Well, Lolly got her break as a teacher, got into teaching and coaching right at the beginning of Title IX. And as you know, we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of that. So in the big picture, that isn't that long ago. And that's one of the reasons that I included uh, her is because of the fact she tells about the early struggles and the battles to get to even get uniforms. At one point, her gymnastics team was was using their their track uniforms because that's all the school was going to pay for. And, you know, the other stories about various folks that had to, you know, fight for gym time and and that sort of thing. And so now those stories are documented. She does a wonderful job of, of, you know, telling those tales. And so it's great to have, have Lolly in the book. Another one that's in the book is Terry Slattery. Now, Terry is from Salem originally, but and he had a great career at South Dakota State University playing basketball, but he still holds the single-game rebound record, as a matter of fact, at SDSU. He had 29 rebounds one game, which is about a rebound per minute that he played that night. But the reason that I included him in the book is... All through high school, Terry never played in the South Dakota High School Activities Association state tournament because of the fact he went to Salem-St. Mary. And the Catholic schools and private schools weren't allowed to participate with the South Dakota High School Activities Association. So consequently, Terry is really, really good. He's become an historian on the old Catholic school tournament that basically ran from a about the 1930s until 1964 or so. So that was another reason. Again, a slice of history that, yes, it's sports-based, but it's also very culture-based as well. Well, Mike, uh, Dr. Mike Hendrickson, who's uh, written many books about uh, life in our area, uh, you know, and and especially sports history. But, uh, Mike, here's a story that I can give you. I I never really was able to play sports in high school because I was always working. In fact, right. uh, in radio, 
I used to do 40-hour weekends when I was in college in Sioux Falls. Uh, TV audio was something we also did back then. And I worked with Dave Dedrick and, and uh, Jim Burt. I used to, uh, you know, play this little acetate record as the intro to his sports when we did TV and all that kind of thing. But now here's the story. It is absolutely true. I can, I can, I can confirm it. But you probably won't, no one else is alive probably that remembers this. But even though it was a little before my time, but you remember Howard Wood Field used to be over by underneath the viaduct over where Sears used to be, uh, right? The old Sears, and it was all granite and everything. And but they they made they made the new Howard Wood Field Stadium. Uh, that was a real big thing back then. And Jim Burt of uh, uh, TV Sports was of course the chairman of the publicity for that. And he went over to Dave Dedrick and he says, do not ever say anything about any rain during our grand opening. And, of course, a storm came and Dedrick had to say, well, it's raining and all that type of thing. And Jim Burt said, I told you not to do that and threw a bucket of water on him right on the air. <laughs> and That does not surprise me even a little. Well, and Jim Burt, you know, I, I was running the audio board, but he was only supposed to have like seven minutes for his sports, but he'd keep talking and keep talking and keep talking and giving more scores and giving more scores. He just he ignored everybody on that. So Dave Dedwick went over with a great big pair of scissors and cut his mic off. <laughs> and he kept talking. <laughs> <laughs> so those are some stories about sports that I can say at least uh, tie in a little bit with you on that. But those, yes, those were definitely different times, weren't they, John? They were, um, and you know, I have to say, Mike, I think you and I we had the best of times. I, you know, and I suppose everybody thinks that about a certain generation, but when I take a look at the changes that have happened specifically to the broadcast field. Here's, here's the biggest change, and see if you agree with this. You and I, when we first got into this business, and for much of it, we actually, our goal was to truly broadcast. There were only a few stations, and we wanted as many possible people to listen to us as we could possibly get, no matter what their background, no matter what their beliefs, no matter whatever it may be. And so, consequently, we were trying to be truly full service to to the most amount of people that we could. Well, once we started having the explosion of radio stations, once the legislation changed on that, that's when we got into what I call narrow casting, because now each you know each format is its own format. When you and I were on the air playing records, you would play a song by the Supremes followed by one from Deep Purple, followed by one from Conway Twitty. You know, we had Motown, we had metal, we had country, we had everything. And that was what the top 40 was back then. Now, you're never going to hear, you know, any of those genres crossed. You simply tune into one radio station for your genre. Well, that's another thing I can I can pass on to you as a story too, is that uh, nowadays they have what they call voice tracking, where you can you know record things ahead of time and not have to be in the studio at two in the morning. But uh, back in the nineteen sixties, uh, I used to do Dave Bedwick's uh, big band show at night after the ten o'clock news. Uh, he would actually have a seven inch reel of Scotch tape that he would record the intro and the outro to the record. So I would play the tape intro, play the record, and then play the outro, and so on and so forth, and he didn't have to be there. And really? 
really this and you know another thing you probably didn't know about dave dedrick uh he did the uh, uh newscast where you sit down at the desk and you just see his coat and tie well he would come running in at five minutes before the broadcast in his uh, shorts from barbecuing in his backyard threw on his coat and threw on his tie and sit at the desk <laughs> so <laughs> but those are some of the good ideas of you know at, at tv broadcasting even in that sense but what i'm saying is that your books are documenting things that kids will be able to uh, relate to uh, and look up, you know, uh, years from now about what sports was like. Yeah, I, I hope so, John. That's that's kind of the goal. And the nice thing about that, you know, uh, even you take a look at the, the transportation differences, the, you know, all of those types of things, the facility changes. We've, I've got both Chad Lavin, who played down at USD, he talks about playing in the new armory, which is now, of course, where public broadcasting is. Uh, you know, Terry Slattery, as we said, talks about playing in the old barn up at SDSU. Uh, we've got so many of those various gymnasiums in, in places across the state that, it, you know, it's been part of our architecture. It's been part of our, our history. And, and those gathering spots are are important to remember also that's that's one of the reasons that you know and i know you're in the south dakota the rock and roll hall of fame that's one of the reasons that i think it's so cool that the rock and roll hall of fame they actually put dance halls and that sort of thing in mm -hmm. to to honor those and to remember those so so yeah it is it is a chronicle of a different time and it's got some modern twist to it as well as as people have adjusted through the course of the years, but it it really is a good cross section, I think, of of uh, various folks' stories from across the state. Well, Mike, I, in the back of my mind, I think you write these books so that you can go out to all these places where you try to sell these books <laughs> to talk to people. If that's an excuse to go out and and uh, you you actually go out to about every small town, I think, uh, in the, in a in the radius of an area just to talk to people and, and sell your books. I, I do, John, and as a matter of fact, you can put that in the front of your mind. That's the uh, my favorite part of, of the entire process is I get to go out and see old friends that I haven't seen in a long time or, or meet some new friends as well, which is which is always great. And, you know, if there's people out there to, that are looking for a public speaker for, you know, their Rotary or their Lions Club or whatever the case may be, I'd be delighted to, you know, uh, my schedule is pretty free these days, so I'd be happy to, to uh, you know, have them get in contact with me. But yeah, that's that's the best part about what you and I have done over the course of the years is the fact that we have simply had the opportunity to go out and meet so many people, and we haven't had to wait for them to come to us. You know, it's it's one of those things where we know for a fact that we're going to be interacting with, with people, and that has been the best part. And, yeah, you can follow uh, first-person legendary South Dakota sports stories. You can follow on Facebook and find out where I'm going to be. I'm trying to uh, get to all of the towns that have people, you know, that are featured in the book. For instance, Dave Gassman from Canova is in the book, one of the greatest baseball players the state ever saw i was up in canova here a few weeks ago which was great for, uh, fun and i'm hoping to get up there again soon i'm going out to winter to see 
you know, Harvey Nas is in the book, the longtime coach. I've been down in Vermilion. I've been in Salem. Uh, we're, we're getting out and about, and it's just so much fun to do that. Well, I think you can also, you know, uh, warn people that uh, this time of year, it, it takes a while to go through the postal line at the post office, even in a small town down there, doesn't it? <laughs> True. Yeah, if anybody wants to order these books as Christmas gifts, I su- suggest they do it very, very soon. But yeah, it's it's so nice, though, John, when I do those events, I get that personal connection with the folks, and chances are they've got a story for me, or they've got a suggestion on hey, did you ever hear about this? Or the next time you talk to so-and-so, ask him about, you know, that. And and uh, for that information, it's just, it's priceless. You can't, you can't do that research on the internet. Those are things that just have to be, you know, if I went and Googled Dave Dedrick, I bet nobody could tell me the story about Dedrick getting a bucket of water thrown on him and, and you know, and then him cutting off Jim Burt's microphone. See, that stuff just isn't on the Internet. you got to hear it from the people that were there. Well, one thing that I'm, I don't think would be on the Internet uh, because, you know, it was before the time, but, uh, Mike, I, I know that uh, you used to actually tour, you know, like Red Stanglin and others, uh, to all these groups and clubs and meetings and stuff, especially Christmas parties, as a comedian. Yeah, that was a very, very fun time. I I enjoyed doing those. I, you know, I, there were an awful lot of towns that I got to, and and I, it was so much fun. It was, you know, it was another creative outlet for me. And I'll be honest with you, I I was like, you know, most people. I grew up watching the Johnny Carson show, and when the comedians came on, that was always my favorite part. And I always kind of envisioned myself wanting to try that and and i did and now it's fun there's a, a dear friend of mine uh who lives down in arizona and his son has decided to try to be a stand-up comic as as a hobby down in phoenix and he's getting it there kind of late to the dance i think he's 35 or so by now but it's been really nice talking to him and kind of you know talking about what to watch for and you know some bad habits not to get into and those types of things so yeah i absolutely love comedy and i and i loved doing it and again part of it was it got me to so many different towns and so many different groups do you remember any of the jokes oh i do but i'm not sure <laughs> it, it was funny i think the last one i did the last show that i did my friend Chris Hilson, who's in Mitchell now, but his dad was Norm Hilson, the longtime broadcaster for WNEX and the voice of Jacks. Uh, Chris is a friend, and he was hosting a benefit show down in Yankton. So about seven years ago, I, you know, he asked if, because it was going to be his last one, he'd done it for like 20 years, and he asked if I would come and do some comedy. And so I actually, I went on Facebook and I said, Hey guys, I'm going to do this. And I remember quite a bit of my act, but is there any of you that remember a line that, that was one of your favorites? And honestly, John, I had forgotten so many of the lines that other people still remembered 25 years later. I, it was pretty remarkable. So apparently people enjoyed me. They had me back. That's always the, you know, that's one of the 
uh, debt giveaways. If, if they never have you back, then obviously they didn't enjoy it. But I, I usually got hired back to places. Well, your books are in uh, hardcover or paperback? All paperback. Um, that these are self-published. My first book was published by a company, but these last three, uh, First Person, Legendary South Dakota Sports Stories, Volume 2, and then both volumes of Genuine Journeys of Life. Those are both self-published, and if you go online and order, we'll get them signed, and we can personalize them and get them off in the mail to you that day, and if not that day, then the next day. So uh, everything is is uh, very, very simple and and easy to do these days. Well, again, uh, what is the online address? You can go to either sportsmaxradio.com. That's where to get the sports book. And you can also order Genuine Journeys of Life there. Otherwise, you can also go to genuinejourneysoflife.com to get the non-sports books. So sportsmaxradio.com. Also, you can get it at Harv's and Mitchell, uh, and we'll have them in other stores after the first of the year. But I've been uh, trying to just get out and do as many events as I can once the book was released. And then we'll we'll go to work on stores. Well, our time's up, but Mike Hendrickson, want to thank you very much for being with us on Forum. John, it is my pleasure. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks for for the support that you have given me through the course of the years. I wish everybody a very happy holidays and Merry Christmas. And again, SportsMaxRadio.com or GenuineJourneysOfLife.com. And everybody stay safe this holiday season, all right?